0: Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So, welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. This is a podcast where two friends and lifelong film geeks uh, with strong opinions about a lot of things sit down to have conversations about films they've never talked about before. And this week we're going to talk about Jaws. Now, this isn't really a debate because everybody loves Jaws, right? Absolutely. But uh, we've never actually sat down and had a conversation about it before. So we're going to be doing a number of movies like this. We make allusions to these movies. We mention these movies. But this is our first sit-down conversation about it. So the first thing we always talk about are, are, are gut reactions and things that struck us about rewatching the movie for the podcast. And when I watched Jaws again for the billionth time to get ready for today, one thing that struck me was – well, actually, a lot of things struck me. But one of them was that um, – I went back to the original reviews because I was curious about how people saw this thing in 1975, and what was fascinating were the number of what we would call today trigger warnings, urging people to be really careful about who they took to see this movie, that it should have had an R rating. Um, Many people called it gruesome. In, in a way that would be almost amusing today, and uh, like that never occurred to me. The last time I saw something like that was um, when *Hereditary* came out, and a lot of people had a lot of you know warnings on on Twitter about that. Like, be really careful if you go into this. So that was one thing that struck me because watching it now, it doesn't co- it doesn't come across as a horror movie like *The Exorcist* or *Hereditary*. It's it's a it's a great adventure movie.
1: I I would one hundred percent agree, and I think that where I would draw the distinction is really this: a horror movie is when the monster comes to you, something suddenly pops up and starts devouring people, which sounds like a description of Jaws. But on re-watching the film, watching three guys get in a boat to go track something down, when you go to it, uh, I really think that it has all the structure of an adventure movie and the same kinds of payoff rather than a horror movie as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. It's like watching treasure Island or, you know, or treasure, treasure of the same where they go looking for gold instead of a shark or something like that. Absolutely. Because I watched it with one of my kids. Uh, and, you know, who's uh, 11 years old, and he thought he had never seen it before, and he thought it was great. And it never even occurred to me to not want him to see it because it does seem like it's written for, and I don't mean this as an insult at all, it, it does seem like it's geared towards like a child's sensibility in all the best ways. That's not an insult at all. There's something so pure about each of the characters and about the way the plot goes from A to B to C um, that you don't realize the first, I don't know, dozen times you see it.
1: I think the sheriff's fear of the sea is meant... To capture some of them, that mentality, <laughs> but transfer it to an adult where it's uh-huh. where it's a little bit um, a little bit out of place, right? We we all know that children are afraid of the sea, that there are monsters in the sea. Right. Some of the victims are children, but to watch a sheriff look out on the water uh-huh. and, and feel the same fear, I think, is uh, is a, is a transference of that same fear to a character that you wouldn't like, that you wouldn't expect,
0: right? And it's a total Spielberg, you know, uh, like innocence movie as well. Like, does it remind you? Didn't you? Weren't you reminded of watching like ET? Absolutely.
1: The, so, w- what I really think is that the idea of the confrontation of the thing as a way to get over it, to save the town, right? The, the thing, <laughs> the way that you know that this is a uh, that this is really a child's movie is that uh, all the adults seem to be in agreement about about one thing. There's no reason for them to really go track the shark down. Could just close the beach, right? They they decide not to. That you, you just can't do it. Uh, and really, it's it's just to make the entire plot work. It's just to get them out yeah. on the boat. Well, that's I, also
0: why Raj, it's funny that the sheriff is kind of like the stand in child figure. He's like the great Spielberg child figure. And like uh, Murray Hamilton and all the town elders, they're all like grownups. Like, right. like, you're not allowed to do this. You don't understand the way the world works, young man. And, and Roy Scheider has to be like the, like the Huck Finn character who goes against the whole system.
1: The, the, so the way that you – I think that this is signaled in the film is that he's the one that can either see it coming or notices that there's something amiss. Because in Spielberg, that's it's always the child character who notices that there's something going on in the bushes. There's, there, there's just something over there that nobody else will pay attention to. That's how he notices E.T. in the first place. That's how the sheriff spots the shark. Calls the warning on the beach. Here's all. Here's all the screams. And there's the the close ups of his of his face noticing before we come into his perspective, which I think is is how that's signaled. Yeah, and I of course, the, on.
0: And, and think about how many hundreds of movies we've seen where the kid is the only one that knows what's going on and nobody believes him. Like young, it's like you know you can watch Steve McQueen in the Blob, and he's like, this thing came from space. It's a giant. The he says it's a giant blob, and the cops are like, no, 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 you go back in your hot rod. <laughs> like no adult has ever listened to a kid. A kid can be pointing at, you know, a house on fire. The house's on fire. No, no, no. You run along (laughs) right here, son. So it's kind of funny watching it again that he's the child standing. And that's also kind of funny that um, Richard Dreyfus is another kind of child. He's like the spoiled rich kid. And that's why Robert Shaw has such disdain for them.
1: Well, I I think also that there's something, uh, you know, if you you go back to the idea that kind of all womanhood is – uh, embodied in either the mother, the maid, or the crone, that's, they kind of have all. They have all masculinity on the boat. They have their child, the brain, and then the man of action, and everybody's kind of uh, that's kind of right. kind of on the boat. And and so in in some obvious ways, they're supposed to be a stand in for their entire community. But I think that in the interplay of their personalities, they're yeah. a stand in for their entire community as well.
0: That's kind of funny. So the orca, like the the sum total of the orca, is one complete person.
1: Right. That's exact. That's exactly right. It's it's all it's all manhood. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to belabor the metaphor by saying who gets, who gets eaten or, <laughs> yeah, or, right. or who, or who doesn't, mm. but it's, it, it would appear as though, uh, it's both a rite of passage movie. And then I think that the the symbolism of the three guys and their, yeah. the way that they interplay with one another, right. um, you know, and then, and then they tend to, uh, different guys take control at, at different pieces. Right. So you start off, well, oh.
0: there's our first segment, finish your thought.
1: So you, you start off with uh, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, with his knowledge right. uh, of what it is, and, and then, his cool gimmicks, There's exactly. You've got the captain who you know doesn't need no stinking badges, and they all get they all get drunk kind of within right. uh, within his context. Yep. But it it ends up being the rite of passage movie where he's able to make the shot that nobody else can make.
0: Great. All right, that's our first segment. We'll see you in a bit.
1: Hey, so welcome back. So quick reminder, in this segment, we talk about our best scene or the favorite scene or the one that we think embodies the ideas of the film. It might seem like an obvious choice, but I'll just lead off. My best scene in Jaws is watching Robert Shaw as Quint get eaten by, by the shark, watching him hold on as the, as the boat uh, is, is at an angle. And he's going to slide in, into the open mouth, and you think that it's going to cut away at, at any point, but it never cuts away. So first, it takes his leg, and then it it takes him, and then he's and then he's gone, and then it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have I don't have a deep analysis of why I like this scene. I just <laughs> I, was waiting. I, think, I think you're I was waiting. waiting. I think I think you're waiting a lot of the film uh, for the for the cutaways to either end, and there's mm-hmm. there's something. Um, like if you saw saw or any other horror movie yeah. right the the idea in, in a real horror movie is not to show the scariest thing because you're going to complete it right yourself but i think that there's something about jaws as an adventure movie where you have to see that the monster devour
0: and the blood come out of his mouth and,
1: the, and the, the blood coming out of his mouth is, is horrifying but what's even more horrifying is you can you can see kind of the algebra on his face of I can get out of this. Right. How am I going to get out of this? Oh my God, I can't I get, can't out, get out, of this. out of it. Right.
0: Um, he knows it's happening to him. He doesn't just get, get, get like swamp with the dog.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's not, and it's, it's not like someone being shot, either, right. you right. know, where they, where they just go down and then they're quiet, some war movie or something. Right. This right. is, um, this is an understanding, which, you know, is kind of the human understanding of mortality, but compressed into 20 seconds, which right. is, uh, you, it's not going to be someday. It's going to be, you know, any second now and there's there's something about that that payoff which i think uh works retroactively on the rest of the movie about the actual danger of what they're intending to do right right? so i think that the ultimate child adventure movie is the three of them set out and the three of them return right but the three of them set out and the two of them return is is a slightly different story right right
0: and it's funny it goes back to what we said before about how neither of us think of jaws as a horror movie it's an adventure movie even when you're watching uh you know quince get eaten you're not, you're not, you're, 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 uh, at the edge of your seat and you're feeling suspense, but it's not horror, you know, like C.S. Lewis says somewhere, um, that, uh, in one of his books, he says, you know, if you were told there were a tiger in one room, um, you'd be afraid to go in there, right? But if you were told there were a ghost in another room, you'd be afraid to go in there for, like, different reasons.
1: Yeah, he calls that the fear of the numinous. The that's numinous, the that's The problem like, of pain.
0: The numinous, right, right. So, there's none of that in Jaws. There's no there's no spiritual dread you feel. It's just like, oh! And you've kind of, like, grown to like all these people, these three characters, mm-hmm. right? So, what is kind of a hit? He's, he's not, like, a redshirt in Star Trek. No. Or a thrilly character. Like, he really does. No, we've like,
1: made an emotional investment yeah. by the time that he's that he's devoured.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So it's, it's violence and there's blood, but it's not horror, going back to the first thing. So my scene was, can I do my scene? Sure. Now? My scene was, I, I, you know, every scene in Jaws works. It's a perfect screenplay. There's no fat on the bone or anything. But when I, when I watch it again this time, you know, I didn't want to do when they sing Show Me the Way to Go Home or um, you know, She Broke My Heart. Like that's, that's a great emotional core of, of the movie, right? But what, what struck me this time is the scene where um, Alex Kittner's mother stops Brody on the street, and she has her funeral um, garb on, and she smacks him in the face and says, you knew, you knew, and you didn't close the beaches. And Roy Shatter just has to stand there. And I think that scene works. And I'm going to go on a little parenthetical thing here. I think that scene works so well, and it's so indicative of what's good about the movie, because it does what the book did not. So Jaws came out in 75. The book came out in 74. I was a little kid. I wanted to see the movie. My parents said, you're too young. You're not allowed. So I read the book. And in the book, there are all these subplots about Hooper seducing Brody's wife and uh, things I didn't really understand when I was like 11 years old trying to read the book Um, and being shocked that there were curses in it. That also like blew my mind. But um, when you watch it, the, the entire screenplay is humans only interact based upon the shark, the shark controls every single human interaction. So there could have been another scene where like Roy Scheider then goes back and talks to his wife and says, you know, I I feel kind of guilty. Like I'm going to have to make this right. We also never find out like why he got transferred out of New York. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Um, You imagine the guy in the detective, you know, like, um, You see, you're afraid of the ocean. We're going to to toughen you up. But I just thought that was a great example of how um, it's like an artless screenplay. Some screenplays draw attention to themselves. Some movies draw, some directors draw attention to themselves, but, but Spielberg knew that every single scene has to be about the shark, whether the shark's in the scene or not.
1: I think that's a fantastic insight. I I think I would take it like if I had a second scene uh, Uh that I really think works, it's, it's again, the, not not to belabor obvious scenes, but it would be him seeing the the kid get eaten on the yeah. on the beach right yeah. wh- when they actually freak out which, yeah. okay, which for the for the same reasons is uh, I think indicative of him noticing things that first other people don't notice, and then being able to gr- being able to see horror, but standing in for me as a viewer. I can't right. see what the shark is doing, but Roy is seeing for me Absolutely. And with letting, his bigglass and letting me in. He says with his big those glasses. glasses are uh, adorable.
0: They're awesome. They're awesome. Okay, that segment 2. Okay, we're going to keep moving.
1: Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Okay. Hi, welcome back. So in this third part is when we talk about um, uh, the end of the movie or the title or other big takeaways, right? So one of the things I wanted to bring up, Mike, was that watching Jaws again, I was reminded of what Howard Hawks said once. He said, um, Howard Hawks, the great director that we all love. He said, um, a really good movie has three great scenes and no bad ones. So every scene doesn't have to be great, but none of them can be bad. You need at least three great scenes. And I thought certainly Jaws kind of follows that advice.
1: I, I agree. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the casting, which is which right. is first perfect. Um, my big takeaway from the movie is why wasn't Roy Scheider a bigger star? I thought the in, same thing. In, in the I thought the same exact thing. Um, you know, I think that going back to some of our points about innocence or the ways that – Roy, as the sheriff, lets us into the film. Uh, that he is absolutely perfect casting. If, yeah. you, if you thought about an action star, if you thought about like Charles Bronson or Bruce uh, Willis, Bruce Willis uh, on the boat uh, killing the shark, that have some you know one-liner or uh, some some other thing about finally uh, seeing the monster go down to the the depths yeah. of the sea. Uh, but Roy Scheider's thing is he just lets out this unbelievable exclamation, ah! exclamation of joy, which is I think. What we would do if we if we yeah. saw the same thing happen, um, you know, it's it's a scream of victory, but it's yeah. a, a child's scream of victory. He
0: even, going back to the child childhood, too, he even smiles like his whole face lights up. He does. he just got a train set. But he's, he's hanging <laughs> into the movie, <buoy, laughs> shooting at the air tank. Um, by the way, how great is it as an adult to watch this and realize how often they show the air tank? Like watch that compressed air. So that's that's, that's highly explosive. Um, but I think that going back to what you said before about, about a, uh, the child's story and about the innocence, he has such an innocent reaction to it and again not as that's not supposed to be an insult it's a it's a celebratory moment when he kills a shark because you feel the same thing like yeah and that bronson or bruce willis would have been ironic about it
1: well the i think the irony would have come from you know bruce willis would have hit it on the first shot
0: (laughs) (laughs) with a pistol with a pistol he's always always shooting
1: down planes and helicopters (laughs) and stuff but watching him watching him miss as things are inching closer and realizing that he only has a limited time to do it uh is is not only a way to create suspense uh, you know you, you hate to use a phrase like realism when right? he's shooting an compressed air tank that's in the mouth <laughs> of a shark but <laughs> it's it's as real as it gets in a way that lets me emotionally into the film as a viewer
0: yeah exactly you're you're meant to be with him as opposed to like when when Bruce Willis says uh, you know yippee ki yay In Die Hard, you're supposed to kind of like stand back like in awe of how cool he is. Yes. But this is like you're like you're with him. He's he's got he's doing kind of the same thing you would do because you do it on your couch when you watch Jaws again for the 50th time.
1: Right. Every time. And I think that that's one of one of the definitions of a perfect film is it can't just work one time through. It's got to continuously work. Yeah. Generation after generation. So my final takeaway has to do with the title. Jaws, okay. Which I, I think is perfect. In other words, so I think that this film got to a point where it knew exactly what it what it wanted to be, uh-huh. uh, or what it was, or what people would remember it for. It understands the ways that the audience gets into the film, uh, why people would want to go to see it, uh, how to build buzz, and you're you're smiling, so I can see that you have something to say. But I it, do. It really brings me back to what you said about everybody relating to and through the shark. Uh-huh. Um, the short mouth <laughs> you exactly so you could so you could think about uh you could think about uh, some fancy highfalutin title right. uh, that they that they could have taken or so when quint is hanging on for dear life and i said that the idea of human mortality is compressed into 20 seconds you could think of some screenwriter somewhere right. saying hmm what what do i want to title it based on that but you kn- but you know that you're not thinking that in the, in the moment this is me reflecting now what i'm thinking at the moment is god look at those teeth right and right the, That would be my subtitle for the film.
0: God, look at those teeth. Well, what's great is that nobody says the word Jaws once in the movie. Like nobody says it, right? But it's all over every single frame. You know. And now I was smiling before because you know there's a famous story in publishing is that when Peter Benchley, who was actually working for the government, he had a government job. You know, he was Robert Benchley, the writer. He was his mm-hmm. son, and he had this government um, like sinecure where he would sit in an office all day and pretend to work, but he was actually writing Jaws. Um, true story. But when he got done with it, um, he and his editor couldn't think of a title. And there's a famous list you could look it up on the internet of all the different titles they had. Like, well, like um, there were hundreds of them. Like there was like one called um like Great one was called Great White, which kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. One was called, like, you know, White Terror. One was called, um, like, The Haunting. One was called... um like uh uh the, the shark survivors. There was all these titles, but eventually they hit on Jaws and it's a perfect title.
1: It, it absolutely is because I think that the best thing is that there are certain ways in which the shark rejects symbolism, the <laughs> same way that something like right. Moby Moby Dick is right is, is all symbolism of, of everything all at the same time. The shark is just a shark the same way that sometimes as Sigmund Freud says, a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs>
0: right. And you could try to rename the movie and no no title would work as well as Jaws.
1: Every single title that you're saying that was a possibility. Is making me gag. Yeah, so.
0: terrible, terrible. So that's really, really funny. All right. So looks that was, like that was we're
1: gonna. Fun. Yeah, looks like we're gonna beat the buzzer beat on the this buzzer. one. So please join us next time when we'll be discussing another perfect film, The Godfather. Thanks. See you next time. Hey. So if you like the podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You could also follow the show on Twitter at fifteen minute film. That's one five m i n film.
1: Tweet us or drop us a line for possible titles you'd like to hear us cover.
0: And thanks for listening.